from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. How many things are different? Since we met, since before the pandemic, how my life has changed and how a lot of people's lives and and how things that you didn't realize were so important are really the important things, right? It's not just your career and it's not just, you know, how you show up at work. It's just, it's really the words that come out of your mouth and how you live your life. I'm so excited to talk to Christy. This is going to be a fun one. You guys are friends, right? You guys are friends. We are. Yeah. I mean, whoever would have put that together, I can tell you my nerdy suburban Chicago schoolgirl never would have thought there'd be a scenario where I would end up meeting Christy Turlington Burns as an adult and become friends with her. Um, Obviously not because of our parallel modeling careers, but because um, we met through sort of nonprofit stuff and bonded over that and her work with Every Mother Counts, which I am excited to hear more about what she's up to. And also we met when we both spoke at TED. So we spoke the same year and became buddies. And so just sort of got introduced over and over again and finally just started hanging out. She's awesome. 
I first met Christy when she was a young model and I was a young makeup artist. And every time I would do her makeup, I thought I was the most talented makeup artist in the universe because all I had to do was put clear lip gloss on her lips and pinch her cheek. And she was stunning. And honestly, I think I learned a lot about choosing makeup by looking at faces and especially hers because she had such natural, beautiful coloring in her skin. And that's how I ultimately like to do makeup. But she was always kind. And I really haven't, you know, seen her as often as I would like. So I'm pretty excited to talk about everything she's doing. Awesome. And if you can protect me from running a marathon, I would really appreciate it. I have a feeling she's going to hit me up again. <laughs> Let's get into it. Excited for our conversation with Christy. Hi, Christy. Hi, Anjali. It's so good to see you. Well, to hear you. Hi, Bobby. Hi, Christy. First of all, she knows your real name, Anjali. She knows how to pronounce your... She knows how to say it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because we're pals. We're pals from the neighborhood. We are. But I knew you I knew you eight or 10 years and you never corrected my pronunciation. So I know. I, what did you say? Anjali. Oh, <laughs> I know. And I, I, it's a really bad carryover from childhood and being like a first generation immigrant where you're just like, yeah, whatever you want to say is fine. And I didn't correct people. And now, even as an adult, I'm like, I don't know why I don't just say it right away. But then I was like, oh, she means it with love. It's not like she's being disrespectful. It just doesn't know how to say it. So I'm like, that's ah, fine. But yeah, now I'm, I'm supposed to be mindful Good. of it. I know I'm trying to be better for the next generation. I get called Cindy all the time. Uh, so. You do not <laughs> You don't. You do not. I do. There's no way anyone's mistaking you for Cindy. They're like, starts with a C, ends with a Y. You, you all look uh, alike. Uh. <laughs> well, you don't. You're stunningly beautiful as always. And um, I feel like my first girl crush might have been on Christy Turlington Burns oh, when I was in. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. Not lie, it's when you were in what? In like what? Like fifth grade? What are you trying to say? Well, just as a teenager, you know, when she came on the scene, it's like you were the closest thing we had to like ethnic beauty being represented on on the main stage, you know, in Vogue and on the pages of my favorite magazines. And I just, you know, I probably had a little girl crush. Don't, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but it's true. I think it's probably <laughs> one, thing, one thing about her, because I met her during those times, I was lucky the times I got to work with her because as one of the big models, she was the nicest. Hmm. She was, you know, and so was Cindy. But she was always the nice. I believe it. Thank you. Yeah. Gosh, I want to hang out with you every day. Uh, the two no of problem. you. No <laughs> problem. We're here. We're here every day, just doing this. This is what we do. Just sit on <laughs> and record. But has anyone ever called you other than nice? Truthfully, I mean, I, I did, I'm proud of having the reputation of being the nice model of my um, peer group, but I. I also felt like sometimes it was a little boring and bland, like just to be nice. And I'm like, come on, I've got more than that. And I'm sure I wasn't always nice. I mean, I'm sure I had my moments like anyone does, but I, I definitely saw there was opportunity to, um, I don't know, make myself remembered or, or to be liked, right? And we all want to just be liked on the set and like welcomed. And so to be nice was the easiest way to, um, to get that. Yeah, but the answer is no. Back then, people did not want to be nice. It was cooler <laughs> to not be nice. I was always nice. And there was a hairdresser, I don't even remember her name, who literally stopped working and she was awful. And I saw her again about a year later and she said, 
I'm going to take something out of your playbook. I'm going to be nice to everyone. That's my new thing. There was no chance this girl was ever going to be nice. <laughs> there was no chance. No we chance. won't name names. I don't even remember her name. That's how much of a I remember. I remember the nice <laughs> I am curious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's, yeah, you, I guess it's the extremes, right? The divas and then the nice ones. The polite mm. ones. I feel like kindness, mm. right? That's sort of the, that's the goal. That's what I want my children to be, kind. Are they? They are. Um, they're also funny. I think that's the other thing that you want your kids to be because that just keeps us going. Um, but kind and funny, two good qualities. I totally agree. I think funny is a really great sign of intelligence, too. That's what I keep telling myself. And I aim really hard to be funny. And then I was told recently in a meeting that I shouldn't tell people that I'm funny. I should just tell a joke. And I was like, oh, that burns. That hits a little too close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <But it's> <laughs> when people will ask the question, like, what is something that nobody knows about you? Or what's something that's not on Wikipedia? I'm like, first of all, I never look at Wikipedia. But se secondly, it's like, I was like, well, I, I think I'm funny. And I think it's a weird thing to say about yourself, right? Like when you say, I think I'm funny, you're like, you can't possibly be funny. But you are funny. I know that. Thank you, Christy. I think you're pretty funny. You're funny. And you're kind. I would agree with all those words. So <laughs> funny and kind. And you're imparting that to your children, as is Bobby. Also funny and kind. Look at us. We're just a, quite the trio. Oh, aren't we just the most wonderful, nice, kind, giving people in America? Okay, we so are. people are we listening are. to us saying, this is really not worth my time. This is boring. <laughs> so let's get down to the, to the meat of this podcast, which is basically, it's called the important thing. Because Look, everyone knows your, you know, amazing career. We don't know enough about, you know, what you're doing now. I mean, the world doesn't. But what has changed for you personally since the pandemic? Like, what are the important things to you now? I mean, I guess it's it's all the cliches, really. I, I think the sort of slowing down piece of it. I, I feel like it's the truth that I that I knew, but I didn't have a choice but to really like surrender to it um, during the pandemic. I think that sort of your family and your your home being where your heart is or your heart being where your home is, that was very evident. Like I couldn't be traveling. I couldn't be moving at the pace that I normally do. And I fully embraced it. Like, and I embraced it quite quickly. I realized like this was not a situation where I, like there was any reason to fight it. It just was, and it was out of our control. And so not that it was like smooth every day, but I, I early on was like, this is bigger than me and all of us. And you will have to write it. And luckily I'm here under the same roof with the people that I love the most in the world. So can't be, can't be that much. And are worse. your kids still in the house? Are there, I don't know how old they are. They're back at school. They're back at school. Um, so, oh, so Grace is 18. She's a senior, uh, in high school and Finn is 16. He's a sophomore. And so, you know, early days pandemic, we were on Long Island at our house there because it's spring break. And then we came back to the city in the fall of, of 20 of last year, 2021. Um, and then they've been out and in school back and forth a bit. Um, but they're in now, which has been really nice for everybody. <laughs> I also spent a lot of the pandemic in the Hamptons and, um, it was for us personally, having the family was, you know, a blessing, but it was hard. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, I'm not going to say it was hard. Yeah. Three yeah. boys, three yeah. dogs. Wait, how many dogs did you guys have in the house? A lot. Three boys, four or five dogs, fiancés, then wives. Oh, gosh. And then nephews. So, you know, it was amazing. She had a full compound going. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. I had two kids, two dogs. And then I didn't even see in that first lockdown, my sister and her kids and her husband live, you know, 10 minutes away. We didn't even see them during that first, you know, eight weeks or whatever. So we really just were the four of us for the very first time, I think, without anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was kind of magical though. I, there was a lot that I really, really loved and I still love, especially I feel like them at these ages where I don't think I would typically get that kind of quality time. Certainly not evenings around the table or watching movies together or, you know, weekends, like they, they would normally be just like a shadow of themselves. Um, I think during these years, but lots of quality time. Uh And what were you doing mostly? Were you I was still working as they were going to school after that initial spring break time when we were all off and trying to figure out things. My uh, my mother-in-law was down in Florida and she was quite ill and ultimately passed from COVID. So that was early days. So I feel like we very much were in that space that um, but we were reading about in the news and seeing on television, like we lived it, where, you know, caregivers on the phone and, um, you know, it was it was intense. Um, and then also my kids really hadn't lost anybody before. So to have that be their first big loss during the pandemic while they were home, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, uh, but then once everybody kind of started to find their, their routines, we all found our third corner of the house. We don't have great Wi-Fi out there. So, um, (laughs) that was a challenge and it would crash and we'd all be screaming like, turn it on. <laughs> like, I guess if anyone really had any control of that either, but it was kind of also nice to know, like if they were down, I was down, like, what could we do? I was outside as much as I could. That was the beauty of being able to be outside of the city during, um, those few months. And so to go for a walk or go for a run or something like that, like I really felt like the, the pool of nature even more than I normally do. Um, and I think my kids did too, like bike rides, walks, um, even alone just to like, get the space that we needed to be able to kind of come back together again. Um, that was kind of critical. Yeah. To clear your head. And you're, you're a major marathoner, correct? Major. <laughs> yeah. I completed my ninth full marathon last November. Wow. Um, I've done all the six world marathons as well. Um, yeah. I, I found that I love running now. I, now I kind of wish that I discovered it earlier, but maybe that's why I'm surviving as a runner now is that I didn't discover it earlier. And so far my joints and bones are intact. So will you share with us the, the um, tips that you were giving me to start running, which I admittedly have not started doing. Bobby will enjoy this. Christy was last, I think it was last summer you were, or maybe last spring She's like, well, you should run the marathon with me. And I was like, we obviously don't know each other very well because (laughs) if you knew me better, you would know that's not something I'm going to do. But I was really inspired by the idea that you had asked me to do it. That I was like, maybe someday I promise I I will run it for you if I do it. But I I don't know that that's happening. Even a 5K, honestly, the walking, walking is probably the best exercise you can do. And it's probably the healthiest for your body. Um, And anyone could do it anywhere, right? Like whatever, if you're urban or suburban or in in rural, a rural part of the world, I think. And if you do it at a pace, like I think that's actually the healthiest for um, all of us. And you get all the benefits of the like solitude and meditation and breathing and um, yeah, I think a 5k could be okay for you, but okay. I'd start, I'll start like, with baby that. steps. Well, why don't you walk yeah. 5k? <laughs> Anjali, do you walk? I do. I walk a ton. I can walk for like days. I mean, I, I would like traverse the country if I had to walking, I can walk with no problem, but it's the running. I've never, 
You know, it's interesting. I think because as a kid, I feel like you guys have different narratives around this. But for me as a kid, because I wasn't traditionally athletic and like the American school system, like I didn't play American sports well, like basketball or volleyball or whatever. I wasn't good at that. So I had a very strong narrative that I wasn't athletic. I conflated mm-hmm. the two. And it was really hard for me to then grow up and be like, oh, I was athletic in a different way. But I really was like, oh, I'm not a fast runner or I'm not the best on the basketball team, even if I'm tall or whatever. So that yeah. means I'm not athletic. So it's been hard to to change that narrative. Christy, how do I change that narrative? <laughs> tell me. <laughs> you just have to tell yourself, right? Like um, we are what we say we are, um, actually. But my dad uh, had three girls with my mom and he had two children before he was married to my mom, but there are three sisters and he had us do every sport. And I would say I was not the most natural athlete, but I had to still you know, play soccer, um, softball, ski. And he had us do um, some track and field as well at the like community college nearby. And I was, I got tall and I learned that I was fast when I was young. And so I did think of myself as a runner and so then dropped it for many, many years. And when I came back to start running um, for, for every mother counts was like, I discovered or rediscovered that I actually love it. And that it's like human beings, they run for play. They run like we, we are runners, like human beings are naturally runners. We just, in our sort of more sedentary, um, I don't know, devolution, I would say have become a lot more still and static and tied to our seats. And so, I don't know if you can get that mentality that it's actually playful, that it's fun as opposed to a chore or like work or exercise, then, um, you can start to kind of discover that part of yourself that you probably forgot. And were you a runner when you were modeling? A little bit sometimes, but again, more for exercise, I would say like, I, I don't know if you remember, Bobby, but there was like no gyms anywhere, especially in Europe at the time, Ho- hotels didn't have gyms or if they did, it was like a teeny tiny mm-hmm. room, um, in the basement of a hotel. And so I, I would sometimes bring shoes and go out for a run if I was jet lagged or there was a park nearby. Um, but I can't say I loved it. It was more like this is something that I should be doing, but I, you know, I should be doing it like a chore, like part of my job, but not necessarily what I loved. Did you love modeling? No. (laughs) No, you didn't? No, no. 500 covers, you didn't love modeling? You just kind of sucked it up? I mean, I, I think I liked a lot of things about the job that had nothing to do with the actual job. Um, I liked the people. I liked the playfulness. Again, I guess like to me, when, when I, yeah, I mean, when I was a teenager, and started working, I would come to New York and, you know, you have this like creative group of people playing dress up essentially. Like it was so much more fun than my friends in high school doing whatever they were doing. Like it it was like trying to be, you know, trying to go to clubs. I mean, I did a little bit of that too when I got here, but for the most part, the work part of the day was more like fun. Like, what are we going to do today? And what's the look going to be? And like, playing and trying and scratching it and starting something again. Like there was something that was so kind of, I don't know, it really felt like a collaborative, fun, creative process that even as a model, because I don't always find the model role of the whole team in fashion to be the most creative one. I mean, certainly there are some that are very creative, but I always kind of found like I'm supposed to be sort of 
I don't know, playing back in a way another person's or company's fantasy, as opposed to being like an active participant in it. But there were so many instances early on that I think I really liked that feeling of being a part of a team. And then going on a trip, like for me, the travel was always the most fun part about the whole job and the most exciting part. And I always loved to like go to a new country, go to a new city. And so you know, when you travel with people, you bond, you connect, you have these shared experiences. And to me, that was everything. So the actual like, okay, got to get up at five in the morning and get ready and then go stand in the cold or do whatever we have to do. That was like the, eh. but the fun part is like the getting there, the meals in between the, just the, the adventures that happen when you get on the road. That was fun. So now you're going to laugh at me because to me, I mean, I'm a lawyer by training and, but to me, <laughs> What you're describing doesn't actually sound that different from what I loved about being a young lawyer in London or in Paris or wherever was the travel and it was the people. And there was an aspect of it that was fun. The job stank. Like that was not the fun part, but it was, I mean, I would rather have been a model, I think, in a Duran Duran (laughs) video, but, um, you know, you take what you can get. But it's, um, I think at that age, there is something so opening through your job. It's just like it was a different time or like that was really the portal for me to experience so much was that first, those first work experiences. Absolutely. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The people that Christy was working with, I mean, I'll tell you from being in the same industry, she, the top of the top, you know, the Orbe's, oh, yeah. the, the photographers, like honestly, like the top of the top. I mean, I don't think Incredible. you did much catalog work, Christy. <laughs> well, that that's actually the the funny thing. I feel like there was a lot of catalog work then. Remember Spiegel, Bobby? Uh-huh. Did you ever work? Of, for, yeah, of course. So there was like the German clients and the German catalogs, right? Where you'd get there and literally you couldn't sit down for lunch. It was like, you know, the clock is ticking and how if they could get 10 shots. I mean, like it was just a machine. And so that's no fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd hope that you could have a laugh in the makeup and hair, you know, chairs because otherwise it was a bit of torture. And then there was every now and again, the fun shoot, which you're right. I got to work with some of the most amazing people. Many of them are no longer with mm-hmm. us. Um, but to have had that experience to get to, I think the beauty also being a model or, or on the hair and makeup team is that we get to come in and out of those crews and those teams all the time, work with the different magazines. You get kind of insight to it all. Whereas the photographers, you know, they only know what they know. They only know their own universe. And, um, and I think that can, I don't know, for like the assistants and the groups that are so tightly connected to that one team, I think you miss a lot of the fun because you only know that one team. Yeah. I, I see you on Instagram, you know, with all the other models, you know, the same models of the same, you know, you seem to be friends with a bunch of the girls. Do you keep in touch with a bunch of them? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see too many in person these days just because of well COVID, but then also not everybody lives in New York anymore. Um, I, you know, I'll see Cindy sometimes she lives in LA, but she comes to New York quite a bit. Uh, Naomi is still moving at the pace that she always did, even in the pandemic somehow. Um, and a baby at 50. I mean, I know. Unbelievable. I know. Yeah. She's, she's a hero. Amazing. Yeah. So when did you start Every Mother Counts? What was happening in your journey when you started it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get, I mean, I still model sometimes, so I can't say I stopped ever, but I stopped in my mind working as a full-time model about 10 years in. I went back to school to just get my undergrad degree at NYU um, in like 95 or 96. So that sort of was the break off to kind of figure out who I wanted to be and what what were my, I had a ton of interest, but it was like, let me, let me explore those parts of myself because I could see how 20 years could get sucked away. If the industry even would have me, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't really have a big future plan with um, my modeling career. I was always like, oh, wow, here I am five years in or 10 years in. I I couldn't believe actually that it lasted that long. And so then school, I went full full time for four years. Um, I was feeling like, you know, my mid twenties, I, I felt like I was behind. And so I was trying to catch up and, um, I graduated at 30. What did you study? Initially, it's a, I took a liberal arts degree at the Gallatin School, which is an individualized study program at NYU. 
And I initially was interested in like art history and the things that my sister was studying in college, like literature. And, and then I started studying comparative religion and I kind of, and I was practicing yoga a lot at that time in my life or just starting to. And so my studies kind of went into comparative religion, Eastern philosophy. And then I got to still touch on all those parts of liberal arts degree that I was already interested in. So it was so much fun. Like the whole experience, not traveling as much for, for the first time in 10 years, sort of creating a home for myself in the city that I called a home already, you know, from the age of like 16 or 17. And then like really making a home. You know, I think I had a boyfriend in those years, but I wasn't living with anybody. So it was really creating my own space, my own home, walking to school, walking home from school, making friends outside of the industry. And it was a really magical time. I also started doing other things, you know, like, you know, I guess philanthropy started to kind of become more of a choice. I think, you know, our industry has always had, since I've been in it, philanthropic side. Obviously, HIV AIDS was a, a, a big problem when I became a model in the mid 80s. And I grew up in the East Bay area. So outside of San Francisco. So I felt like I knew people who were dying of AIDS before I came to New York. And then, of course, when I got to New York, you know, constantly. Um, and so. I was aware of that issue and the industry really rallied, I would say, um, around it. Um, I'd say soon after that, you know, breast cancer, a lot of work and activity around that. So I would kind of play my role, but more as a sort of, sure, I'll show up to that thing. Yeah, I'll, you know, donate. And then I started to um, have more opportunities to kind of explore for myself, like what what did I really, really care about? And for me, it was pretty straightforward. Like my mom's from Central America. She's from El Salvador. And I got asked in the very early 90s if I, when the war had ended there, would I, you know, help out to try to, you know, create some, I don't know, positive um, publicity around the country. And it's a country that I'd grown up going to a bit. And so to be able to go back after the war and have, you know, I don't know, for people to realize that I was actually from that part of the world was also like a really think important thing for me as a young adult. And then my next thing was my father um, had cancer and he died from lung cancer. And I had been a smoker in my teens and early 20s. So I had an opportunity to kind of share my testimony and share my dad's story and advocate. And um, that was a pretty exciting time because, you know, tobacco cessation and prevention was very much in the culture for the first time. When I look at that public health nightmare. It's amazing where how far we've come. Yeah. I mean, my kids have grown up kind of like they see a cigarette and they're like, what is that? They're seemingly making a comeback. But for most of their lives, they've been like, what is that? I know if my daughter smells it on the street, she's like yeah. taken aback. She's like, what is what's happening? I'm like, oh, that's a cigarette. You know, that's a cigarette yeah. smoke. And she's really that's it's like not that's familiar. not the normal weed smell that we smell yeah. everywhere. <laughs> that she's used to, unfortunately, in the streets of New York. I think that she doesn't notice. But cigarette smoke is quite jarring. It's interesting. We didn't know it was bad for you back then. You know, yeah, I mean, I yeah, smoked in high school. No one said you shouldn't be doing this. It's not good for you, which is crazy. I kind of think I knew it was bad for me, but I I also was attracted to it for those reasons. You know, my dad smoked always and said so there was always cigarettes around. I feel like most of my friend's parents, one or both smoked. So when we started to like sneak cigarettes or, you know, try to look like we were older or cool, we would be smoking. And I also grew up horseback riding and everyone around the horses smoked, like everyone. So yeah, I started smoking in my, I don't know, 12, 13, a little bit. And then by the time I was modeling at 15, I would like 
carry my pack of cigarettes around and I was smoking all the time. And I think in those early years too, when I was a bit more shy and trying to kind of get the lay of the land, it gave you this sense that you were doing something when you weren't doing anything. When you're sit- like now people would be on their phone. Right. But back then you'd sit in a studio in a corner while they were like ignoring you or like <laughs> making you wait to have an appointment. And you just like smoke cigarettes, drink mm. coffee, smoke cigarettes and sit there as if like you're, you're doing something. Um, Anyway, I, I, I quit when I was about 25, right before I went back to college and my dad died two years later. And so I felt very confident by the time I started advocating on that issue that I was done, done, and that I could be a trustworthy, um, public person advocating on that topic. And, and that's where I kind of got excited about public health and advocacy, really. Um, and that sort of prepared me for when I became a mom. And when I became a mom, I experienced a postpartum hemorrhage. And that's really what brought me into this work around maternal health. Wow. Yeah. So what year did you, what did you found it? 2000. Oh, I, I founded the organization in 2010, but I became a mom in 2003. But to realize the power of your voice in that different way must have been pretty incredible. I mean, because that's, you know, you're where, where you, you're talking about how you were you know, when you're modeling that you're um, bringing somebody else's vision to life or you're kind of acting in that way, but then to be able to take that attention and the spotlights that's being shown on you and shine it on things that you care about is pretty powerful. Yeah. And I think there's a, when you're at all in the public eye, I feel like there's a sort of pressure or there's the question that's like, oh, and you should feel like you, you should be doing these things. And yet to me, there's nothing worse than having somebody in an obligatory way, I guess, put themselves out there just to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's to me, it really had to feel grounded in like a, an experience um, for me to find my voice in that. And I think going back to school also gave me confidence, just like I had to talk in the classroom. I had to share my thoughts, and my ideas. I had to introduce myself every semester in every class. Like that gave me a certain kind of confidence outside of my career, which was su- a success. And I didn't have to like, you know, you kind of earn your stripes, right? In the industry, like at a certain point, you can say more because your experience, your experiences inform you that like you see somebody else's and you're like, hey, I didn't know I could do that, but now I can. Like, remember the first time I said, I'm not going to wear fur. I didn't know I could say that. I figured like I'm hired. It's not my choice, but I, I, of course I had choice within the realm of, um, you know, a certain amount of choice. <laughs> but it also must have been such a transition for you because you were known for your face. You couldn't go anywhere without people either staring at you or saying something or, you know, there were no phones back then. So maybe pull out their camera and take a picture. And then all of a sudden you're going back to school and becoming someone that talks about the things that matters. I, I just think it must have been maybe subconsciously like empowering for you that it wasn't just about the way you look. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet I also feel like it happened gradually enough that it never felt like something that happened overnight. And I also felt, I don't know, I never felt like I attracted the kind of attention that some of my peers did. Like I wasn't followed around with a camera outside of work. I really wasn't. I didn't, I didn't have a very, um, I don't think I had such an exciting, uh, like personal life. So for me being able to like, look like I did, if I wasn't at work with makeup and dressed up, I could kind of ease in and out of life very easily. The difference is I feel like I have a last name that is a little 
unique. It's not something you hear all the time. So it's not like Christy Smith sitting in the back row class, but mostly it didn't matter. I think the age difference that I was even from my student peers was enough that they weren't as in the weeds of what I did. I feel like my peer group, if, if I was with people that were my age, maybe, but I already feel like students eight years younger than me, like they were in, the, in whoever was next. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like they were preoccupied. That was, I, I, I didn't know what it was going to be like. And it, it was much more comfortable than I realized. And then it just got more and more comfortable. It was like a muscle you practice, you know, you just, you just do. And then you're like, Oh, I can get outside of my comfort zone or I can blend in. And I, I, you know, no one's looking at me in thinking, why am I talking about this? Or why do I have this opinion? It just sort of, you know, all of us have an opportunity to do that if we feel confident in doing it and should have the voice and place to do it. And so tell me just a little bit more about what Every Mother Accounts does. I mean, besides education and awareness. Yeah, we, um, I mean, our mission is really to make pregnancy and childbirth safe for every mother everywhere, which is a massive mission. Um, but what that entails is educating the public in a big way through um, films and storytelling, um, through working on policy and advocacy change so that people can sort of demand for change, um, advocate on behalf of themselves for what they need in that moment. Um, to advocate for support, for respectful care. I think it's sort of assumed that, you know, even if you have access to health care, that that's like quality care. But actually, like quality care is really quite um, interesting. Like, you know, we sort of expect a very low standard of quality, I think, in terms of our interaction with, um, with medical providers. And I think, you know, we all are intimidated by doctors. And I know, Anjali, you, you're married to one, so you will see this in a different way. But I feel like most people kind of, again, talk about surrender. They see somebody that's in a white coat or that has doctor next to their name and they're like, okay, you know best. You're the boss. I feel that way too. And the same, right? if, yeah, I've been married for 20 some years and I still feel that way when a doctor <laughs> walks in the room to the point that actually it's, it's weird. My husband will even like when we were going through our medical stuff, trying to have a baby, um, the doctor would walk in the room and I would completely clam up. And I'm not shy for talking and advocating for myself, but in that scenario, you're so vulnerable, you're so nervous. I was at least, and I yeah. would completely clam up. I wouldn't ask questions. I would, you know, it was really unlike me. And so I'd have to write them all down and make him ask them, which was so great. It's so not how I am in any other part of my life, but in a medical setting, I felt super nervous. Yeah. I think you do. I think everyone feels that way to an extent, but I think then put on, put add on to that. You're a woman, add on to that. If you're a woman of color, um, add on to that, you know, like there's just these different layers. And so I think our system has really set people up for not feeling their most confident, not feeling that they know how their bodies work or feel that connection to themselves enough to be able to know what questions to ask. And I really think healthcare needs to be a partnership. It needs to be like patient and provider coming together and working together to have the best possible outcome. So we do a lot of just like sharing of resources and information, just making it in this world of so much information, especially around pregnancy and childbirth, right? Like you go Googling and, you know, you'd be, you know, beside yourself terrified of what could possibly happen. And yet a healthy amount of fear and maybe just being aware of the possibilities is also really empowering. Um, I was very, very prepared coming into pregnancy. It was like, I was 
ready to become a mom. I felt like I'd had one career. I'd gone back to school. I'd started a few other kinds of careers. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm in my thirties. I'm not a baby. I'm like, I'm informed. I have a a, a supportive like husband and like a system around me to like give me the support I needed. And, and then the unexpected happened, which was to have that experience of a postpartum hemorrhage after my baby was born. So when you think like, healthy child. She's out of my body. Surely this is over. And then it's like, no, (laughs) the fun's just starting. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. So I feel like I feel like I was informed and I wasn't completely. And I just know how many other people don't have any sexual reproductive education at school. We don't allow it to be taught in most states, (laughs) Um, you know, most uh, counties in the country. So like people are really not that aware and sort of finding themselves pregnant, oops, sex, pregnant, not having a savings because it's very expensive to become a parent, um, as you both know, and um, to support a child and a family through um, through pregnancy and childbirth and then to raise them for the rest of their life. Um, like these are things that need a lot of thought and care and planning. And most people in the world, but in this country, enter it not prepared. And so part of our, I would say our role as an organization is making sure that people know their rights, know their options, um, utilize those options, learn to use their voice, ask the questions, um, and then advocate so that others can have a better experience. Um, because I, I truly believe like, you know, this has to get better. Um, and in order for it to get better, we all have to be sort of out there talking and advocating together. Where is the focus of your work? Which countries? I know you do a lot more in the U.S. than I knew about. Yeah, we increased a lot through COVID, actually. I would say before before COVID, we were about maybe 25% of our funding uh, went to programs here in the U.S., all community-based. And then we also have partners in Guatemala, Haiti, India, Bangladesh, Tanzania, uh, Nepal, and Indonesia. Um, and you know, like I'm actually leaving for Africa on Sunday. And so we're going to be adding to our African partners, you know, through, um, a few new relationships in Kenya, most likely, but also visiting Tanzania. Um, I mean, there's so much need around the world. That's like a very, like tiny, tiny amount of countries to be focused on. And yet it's always been really important that there is a kind of global perspective on this issue. Um, you know, when I first started learning about the magnitude of the problem that, you know, hundreds of thousands of girls and women die every year from pregnancy and uh, childbirth related complications, you know, 99% of those deaths do happen in the global South in the developing world. Um, but the United States is ranked 55th in the world. Like we are doing so badly and we've fallen behind from 41st in the world since I became a mom. And, you know, we're one of two industrialized countries with the highest maternal mortality, like ratio on the rise. Like why, how is that possible? So those stats are shocking. Those, those stats are so, and I think people really just assume it's an, another place problem as opposed to it's happening in our own backyards and people are not aware of it and and don't know what resources are needed and all that. And so the work you're doing is really incredible to shine a light on it and to really, you know, just to get everyone to understand that this is not a a problem happening to other people. It's happening right yeah. here too. And you're taking care of the world. You're taking care of your family. How does Christy take care of Christy? Tell us some of your like 
tangible secrets. <laughs> like, what do you eat? What do you, you know, do you take baths? What are your things? Oh, I love baths. My whole family are big bath takers. Thank goodness we don't live in California <laughs> anymore. Um, I, I, yoga. I mean, I discovered yoga at 18 years old and it has been the kind of gift that keeps giving. In the pandemic, I went from practicing like two times a week where I would like squeeze those classes in on my busy work week or when I was traveling. I went just like practicing six days a week. I practice from home. I'm still doing like Zoom classes with a group, two groups from California that just started in those early weeks and have just been my like steady, steady, consistent, like reprieve in my day that keeps me going. What kind of yoga? Um, it is like a vinyasa practice. Um, you know, I've kind of over the years done it all from Ashtanga to Iyengar, but I found that like, I like to have more precision around postures after doing it for so many years, but at the same time, I like to have sort of flow in the practice. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. vinyasa too. It's been my favorite of all. And what about food? food. Um, Do you have a practice in food? Not really. I mean, I, I, I mean, I try, I think I'm a pretty healthy eater, but I, um, I, I was vegetarian for a few years, but before I became a mom and then I just kind of listen to my body. I feel like moderation. I mean, I try to eat things that are seasonal. I, I don't like indulge too much, but not because I, not because I don't allow myself to just, I feel like moderation is the way, um, I do have guilty pleasure in fried foods. I love, I mean, like, if it's fried and it's in front of me, I will eat almost anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, um, but I don't tend to have it that much. Like tempura will be like on the edge for me in my normal life. Um, my daughter became a vegan over a year ago. And so she's been introducing more, um, plant-based foods in our, all of our lives that I think is beneficial to us all. Um, it's also made her a better cook. And so that's been really nice that she kind of wants to share and she wants us to sort of try and you know if she see I cleanse some like once a year or so she'll be like mom don't just cleanse just just do vegan just do vegan with me you don't have to do a juice cleanse like you don't have to do like just just be vegan so I I'm kind of open I believe I maybe yoga helped me get there but I feel like I listen to my body and my body typically tells me what I need um and if I eat something that isn't great for me it's easily eliminated you know what I mean <laughs> it's doesn't stick very long so <laughs> quite literally <laughs> you are so balanced i think it's quite something but so there's one question i ask everyone that's on the show and i think it's the most important one which is if people listening could do one thing that you're going to recommend that could change their life one thing what would it be i would say to initiate a practice a meditation practice a yoga practice a practice um something that has you sort of sitting with yourself, getting comfortable, sitting in solitude or in peace, quiet. Um, and I think that could be in movement too, I suppose, but just that sort of, you know, when I run, I don't take music with me. I don't listen to podcasts, sorry for your audience, but I, <laughs> hey, I, hey, I, hey. I, <laughs> I, I want to be, that's like one of the few times in the day where I'm not connected, where I can just breathe and I can just take in what's around me and the noises of the city or the noises of the the country, wherever I am. And so, I don't know, I think building a practice, figuring out how to be alone with yourself is a really healthy practice. I like that a lot. Being alone with yourself is, yeah. But you can take us with you, listener. Don't listen to yes. Christy. 
Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing to, you know, to first of all, to see you and always one of my favorites. One of my favorite humans, not just favorite models. So I will say that. Here, here. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a joy. Joy to be with you both. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.